an additional microphone for this episode of the PBE podcast at the GeoMark booth at live at Urtech 2022. Thank you for joining the show. Please introduce yourselves to the show and to the audience. We'll start with you. Okay. Uh, my name is Katie Donahue. I work at GeoMark Research. Uh, my role is to be the director of our database products, and I focus on the studies and a little bit more of the interpretation and application of the geochemical data we generate. Um, and I ha was happy to bring Jennifer Smith uh, for the podcast because we've done some work with her and her group at Ensign, and we had some exciting results. That we've got a paper at Urtech and oh, you um, do. We some do. good conclusions. Right on. Yes. Introduce yourself real quick. My name is Jennifer Smith, and I'm the Vice President of Geoscience at Enzyme Natural Resources. We're an operator in the Eagleford, and uh, we've been right. there since 2019. Is that right? That's 2019, right. right before the pandemic. That's right. <laughs> Pre-pandemic, you went to the Eagleford. Yeah. How much acreage? Like, what? what's the size? So of we stuff? operate 130,000 acres. Oh, man. Contiguous? Can, it's Well, it's pretty contiguous. We're in Carnes, DeWitt, Live Oak, and Bee Counties. Oh, man. So we Eagle love it. Bird. We've been so excited and happy there. And yeah. So was there already an operator that had most of that stuff going and now you're yes. in development mode? Okay. The position was put together by Pioneer Natural Resources. Okay. And so we bought that asset from them. Wow. In 2019 and kind of, you know, took the baton from Pioneer and have continued to, to drill wells and develop. So you were VP of Geoscience in 2019 yes. for a company that already had and operated things or you guys were no, brand we new? Started. We were brand new. Wow. So Ensign um, started at the very, very end of 2017. So okay. we were officially uh, a company in December of 2017. And uh, and we were a company of six people. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then we found our, our asset and made that purchase in the spring of 2019. You've been searching since 2017 for something to that's buy, right. though. Well, really through the year of 2018, we were. Really then, active. Mm -hmm. That's right. Going into data rooms, exactly. all that process. All that stuff. Oh my gosh, how so, exciting. Yeah. Now, did you, was it always focused on the Eagleford? You guys knew you wanted we to be? We were. So um, our group of founders were all uh, previous leaders in the Eagleford. So we had a lot of Eagleford experience. Okay. We had experience working together. And, uh, and so wow. we all said when we, when we went out to start the company, this is uh, you know the group to go out and do this kind of adventure together with. and. So it's been wow. great. So you yeah. got to be on the front lines of raising the capital and mm -hmm. doing all that. That's right. Wow. With what people you of... trusted already. I think With that, people that, that I trusted already. Even that's, more fun, that's right? That's exactly right. People I trusted, friends, you know, it's Jeez. been... It's kind of really living good. the dream for some of us, I think. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly so. what I'm imagining. Mm -hmm. Like, I hope to do that one day. Not doing it yet, but I hope to do it one day. Because the I mean, the stress is it's good, it's bad. There's the ugly. There's everything about that process that's real. But raw tooth and claw at the end of the day, you're you're with friends, you're with people you trust, and you guys are having these very. I mean, what an exciting time in your life it's to the, set that up. It's the truth. So you know, when when somebody came to me and said, "Would you like to be a part of this?" and I thought, "These are the best partners I've ever had." Uh, <laughs> How can I say no to yeah. that? And you're right, though, because there are ups and downs, right? And that kind of a, of a venture. Um, and uh, I think that my partners would agree and say that um, it's a lot easier to go through the downs together with people that you trust oh, and man. you care about. And then it's more fun to go through the ups because, uh, you know. Uh. 
Look, you, ca- you, you trust and care about each other. Yeah, you've Same been thing. through the down, you've been there for each other. Like That's you right. guys remember those moments and those hard times. And then when it comes back, what a time to celebrate, right? That's right. Like, That's right. Ah, I'm getting excited. I'm getting emotional even. I would, I will, <laughs> I will admit, I'm just thinking about, you know, how, how inspiring that is to do and to be a part of that. So let's rock it back. I have a co-host. Okay. He always says this. He goes, I want to rock it back. Where did it start for Jennifer? Like oh. the rocks, your love for this. How does that career kind of short history elevator we were just pitch? Talking about that. Okay. So short history. Um, I grew up in Houston. My grandfather was a geologist and I said, I'm never going to be a geologist. And so, <laughs> love my grandfather, but you know, you, you see the ups and downs of yeah. the industry. Yeah. Um, I went to a small school in Tennessee called Swanee. Huh. And I was going to be a psychologist. Really? And after a semester of that, I said, I don't want to be a psychologist. And, <laughs> and took a geology class and really fell in love with it. Is that yes. right? After and, all that time. Um, and so, you know, I loved being outdoors. I loved um, learning about mineral growth. That was the first thing that that I got really excited about was, right uh, was mineral growth. Um, and then um, and then I went to the University of Texas for my master's degree. Okay and kind of continued on that process. And, you know, rather than mineral growth on a large scale, I was looking at um, sandstone diagenesis and I was very interested in how the minerals were growing in the pore space. And so that was pretty cool. And I said, I will never be in oil and gas. Okay, so I'm a geologist, but I'll never do oil and gas. And then um, I got a summer job and I fell in love with, with that part of the uh of the geology world yeah. too so that's that's the short of it um my first job was at phillips huh back when it was just phillips okay um, <laughs> and then uh and so i worked there for a while and then i went to work for a company called nautilus that nautilus. um ran the geoscience training alliance so they provided geoscience training okay um and so that was a a really interesting um place to work because I was exposed to all kinds of geology, all kinds wow. of specialists. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. And, um, and leaders and staff at a whole bunch of different companies because we had these member companies and part of my job was interacting with all of those representatives from the companies as well as the instructors. So it was really, um, it was really, uh, an opening I think, experience in a lot of ways. And then mm. I then I went to Marathon, and I was at Marathon Whoa. for ten plus years. I don't Whoa. remember exactly how long, and that's where I met Katie. Ah. Although that's an, yeah. I didn't know you were at Nautilus because I taught helped te- ta- teach a couple of classes there. I wonder what, you know yeah. the times your paths yes. cross in this industry. Right? Nautilus it's is the same company that does the short courses and all that stuff. Yes. It's the same yep. company. Wait, when it. it was originally independent, I guess now it who's, was. Who's ah. It was started by a man named Neil Harbury from the UK, and um, and then RPS bought it. Oh. I don't know when that was. A few and years ago? A few years ago, and then there was some other thing that just happened. It's hard for me to keep track of all of the news. Oh, yeah. with the oh, right. yeah. So, yeah, so I was there when it was uh, just a small privately owned company. Okay. 
And then you went to Marathon for 10 years. 10 plus years. I don't remember exactly how many years. years. I know that I should, but, you know, time starts running together. Is it Denise Cox that has a history at... uh, She does. Yeah. Yes, that's right. You got to work with her? Well, she and I had offices next door to each other for a short period of time. That was it. So I didn't ever work with her, but but I knew Denise at Marathon for sure. Right on. Okay. So for Marathon, were you primarily Eagleford focused? No. So I had been working long enough to very much predate unconventionals. But I've always, uh, most of my career has been um, onshore. So I started at Phillips working offshore, but that was just for a very short period of time. But I've worked, um, I've worked Alaska, uh, both the the North Slope and Kenai Peninsula area. And then I've worked Wyoming. um, I've worked Powder River Basin. I've worked... Right um, on. South Texas, of course. Uh, trying to think of what else. Trying to think of what DJ DJ Basin for a little while. So all of the onshore things. So yeah. I started working conventional things, of course, onshore, and then moved to unconventional. Um, Can you explain the difference? Well, it's a good question because I think there are lots of different ways of defining conventional versus unconventional, right? Yeah. And so. Um, you know, I think originally people were saying that unconventionals are where you're going in and you're exploiting the source rock directly. Right. But then the Bakken really doesn't fit that. Most of them don't really fit that. Okay. And so I think now an easier way of describing unconventional would be um, focused on not necessarily the unconventional reservoir, but unconventional development. I like right? that definition so of it. Better. Anything that you have to, that, that's dependent on, on drilling Horizontal, horizontally fracking. and hydraulically fracking the reservoir to get the stuff out. I, that's the way I define I like it, it now. And because to me, I feel like for my job, there isn't that much of a difference. Quality subsurface data is useful, whether you're talking conventional, unconventional. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't, we don't do different um measurements per se you know we're going to treat a fluid the same as a fluid i may interpret the data to answer different questions but it's it's that same data set i'm just answering different sorts of questions yeah um and so that's where i find it makes a bigger difference who i'm talking to if i'm talking to another geoscientist it doesn't have to be a big deal whether i what i'm labeling it but if i'm talking to anybody who works above ground or some of those engineers that are looking at some of the completion methods and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. Then it's I need to technical. be more careful what terms I'm using very to make technical. sure we say, you know, everything stays clear. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 That's cool. I like that. Yeah. I was uh, I was talking with Susan Nash. The uh, She works for the AAPG. Mm-hmm. She's a PhD. And uh, her, she's the director of innovation for the AAPG. And we we're talking yesterday. And I said, the, you know, the unconventional is such an interesting problem to me. And I use this this conference setting, right? We're in this big room. This is like a pore space. And all the doors of this room that we're in Uh is the permeability and a conventional reservoir all the doors are open that's conventional all the doors of this porosity or this room is open the unconventional there's one door open but we know there's 99 other doors they're just not open so we have to either break them open physically or what i believe is happening is this revolution happening in, in the chemistry side of things i think we can diffuse through what we see as a door, what we're thinking about as a physical problem and that we need to break it with physics like and then and, and all that power that we put into the ground. That's exciting. Engineers love it. If you've been on a frack crew, it's like <laughs> 25,000 horsepower and we're just 
fracking this earth. It's it's amazing process, but we're thinking and hitting this thing with a hammer and it's it's now we're tweaking that and I think the chemistry, I think we can we can do it more elegantly. Yes. And I, I see I believe that and I see that in the data. I see that I think unlocking hydrocarbons from carrageen and making production can, is a chemical problem and that will drive the physics. I think chemistry is going to drive the physics in the near future. I, I really believe that. I think that kind of brings it back to even some of the project that we did together of, of really trying to, it, we've gone through that evolution of trying to just, yeah, massive amounts of power pushed into these completions and you don't always get the equivalent results for the amount of energy you put down there right. and all that effort. Right. So being a little more elegant, a little more strategic about it to get the results that, that makes it economic, but just efficient. I mean, well, and that's what that's what Katie and her crew helped us with is understanding, right? You you do put all this energy into the reservoir. What's ha what what do you get out of that? So yeah. what's happening? Yeah. And we haven't really had a good way of um, getting our arms around that before, right? I mean, we have micro seismic data, we have pressure gauges, we have all of these things that measure where the energy goes. Yeah. But not where your production is coming from to the level that that we can now. And we right? have a direct yeah. met. I think we have right. lots of impressions, lots of impressions. Lots of, yes. So and lots we of know fun in our conversations. Heart certain things, <laughs> <Yes>. right? <laughs> but, but you want to prove it. You want right. to. That's right. That's yeah. right. There's something going on. If you analyze it and you look at the chemistry, there has to be a way to mass balance it. There's a product and a reactant. Right. What's going on? Like, why can't we do that? And and so when you got to, to introduce uh, Geomark to the new company, was that yeah. right away in the exploration process? You were using Geomark's data to help with understanding where maybe the fairways were? Or was it after? There, okay. So when we... When we um bought our asset pioneer had already um drilled a well in every unit so the Whoa. so the position was held and but so there was a ton of information yeah. that was already there and they um collected a lot of data including geochem data mm -hmm. okay and with so, geomark that was yep. a geomark. Oh, that was a and so issue. fairly early on uh we had katie come over and talk to us about and who did you bring can you tell me harold illick yes. actually so one of one of the original members, I'd say, of the the GeoMark team. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. So they came over and they talked to us about you know what data we had just inherited, right? Wow. And uh, and so that was super exciting to to get our hands on that. And at that point in time, most of what we were talking about really was um, the different families, the different source families, and that was interesting. So that helped us understand our asset better because it's our asset is runs kind of on strike mm -hmm. you know across a big section of the, mm -hmm. of the eastern side of the eagleford basin okay? okay and so there's some variability there yeah. and it really helped us um form our thinking on uh, on the deposition depositional differences that you can see across that area and how that might impact the decisions that we make as far as targeting goes or development, right, development area is a differentiator even in how you guys were operating because a lot of people the eagleford can be viewed as being very simple that's right um, by by sure certain people and you know they're kind they are correct depending on what question you're asking it's okay but it can also be a lot more subtle and it's oh, yeah. measurable those differences and linking it to the depositional environment it's kind of fundamentals of geology sure. really understanding where you are and what happened right wow so that was really helpful to us to have that component wow. added into the rest of the work that we were oh, doing man. 
to best understand that asset. Yeah. And then um, and then the pandemic happened. <laughs> and so we, and you know, <laughs> small so de- was, minor detail. <laughs> yeah. And so so we didn't really do much together for a while. Yeah. And then Katie brought an idea to me. Um, yeah. Um, so you want to explain that? Well, I get the original idea was one of our uh, um, analytical workflows that we are continuing to find new applications for is what our, our marketing term is QQQ, but it's a GCMSMS. So it's multidimensional mass spectrometry data. Whoa. A whole lot of information. Yeah. And it's very detailed and it's it's very precise. Uh, so we've developed a few purposes for it. A lot of it is in um, higher resolution maturity indicators. Okay. And in particular, it's also in expanding our measurement of those maturities beyond the traditional oil window. So when we use biomarkers and some of our other more traditional, very valid methods for looking at the maturity of a fluid, uh-huh. you get to that point where it's too it's too mature to be as diagnostic. A lot of those biomarkers and things we use are no longer present at those high thermal maturities. They okay. degrade. Wow. So this new method that we have, it's not really so new anymore. <laughs> like we've been saying new for multiple years. So at some point we need to drop that. This developing um, method. This method, yeah, that, that we have lets you expand that window into more of the condensates. Really? And, and still Isn't get high resolution information. A oh, bunch man. of stuff I love about it, but in particular was looking for opportunities to show its value in areas with higher maturity production, like in the Eagle, like the Eagle Ferd, Ferd. going into condensates. Yeah. And so when I was saying that Ensign's um, position is kind of stretched out along strike from DeWitt, Carnes, B, Live Oak counties, that we occupy that condensate to wet gas window. Oh, you're on it. We're yeah. sitting right there. <laughs> and so that I'm is, right. yeah. And oh, so that is why gosh. Katie came and said, hey, I think that, you know, this yeah. this would be a good application. And so your looking area. for those subtle, we already knew there should be some subtleties. And it's a, in a zone that you definitely want to maximize that liquid yield for as much as you can. Sure. So you, how do you differentiate those different zones? You know, um, and I was hoping this technique would be useful for that, for looking for some of those subtleties. I mean, long story short, it turns out that while we still love this QQQ method, we didn't even actually need it for some of the work that we continued to do. Whoa. That's science for you. You know, yeah. you have an idea oh, yeah. and you give it a try. And oh, yeah. we're pretty happy with our results using some of our more traditional methods. So, um, you know, making things fit for purpose and being able to apply them in a development setting does mean that you don't always want to use your fanciest, most expensive tools. Sure. <laughs> right. So, okay. I thought you yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So, so what we ended up doing, the project that we ended up doing, and, and we have this paper this afternoon. Okay. Um, that is being presented by Adam. Turner yeah. I think Adam will probably will come down and talk about that after he's, yeah. after he's done with it. Um, so the big question that we have is, you know, we all know that the lower Eagle Ferd is the, that's the good stuff. That's your primary target. Okay. That's really, you know, what you're, you're really after. We have a good thick lower Eagle Ferd section there. In our How asset. thick are we talking? Um, most places it's well in excess of 200 feet. Nice. So some places it's even over 300 feet. So it's, it's, that's it's really nice. Thing. It's really a good, a good thing for us. But, um, yeah. but we also have um, prospect of Upper Eagle Ferd and Austin Chalk. Right, that basal Austin chalk right there. Perfect. And so, you know, one of the big questions is so we, again, we know from microseismic data and from all these other measurements that when you frack a well, that that you that that energy propagates out very, very far laterally and very high vertically, right? 
but what does that really mean as far as yeah. the drainage goes? Yeah. And um, and that's an important question when you've got multiple benches right. within a given area that right. you want to develop. And so so that's what we looked at is we looked at um, Geomark's got a you know a lot of data in the basin and they can they can pinpoint which uh, interval the production is coming from. So not right. the, not just the source rock, right? right. I mean, they can do that too, but they can actually say, yes, this is coming from that upper zone this reservoir, right? right? And that what was, what again, made this such a great kind of case study is the example that the, the existing acreage, the his, historical production from that makes an excellent baseline or kind of background story to what you should expect to see. So without even having any new well production, we could essentially give yeah. the introduction to the story, you right. know, place yeah. everything and have a really, really specific hypothesis, right. what we think is going on, and then turn around and test it. So yeah. again, I feel like it's, it's delivering that comfort factor. There are other methods that people use to answer these questions that are probably pretty close you really you know i mean we yeah. are in our gut we know it's correct but it isn't the put your finger on it absolute proof that lets you confidently make decisions and move right. on from yeah so it, it you know and again in, in this science you want multiple points of validation so although we're a geochemistry company and we love it and we can talk about it all day <laughs> you do want it to make sense with all of the of other course. information it you has have. to make sense it, it does it, it does That's you know right. if, if they don't make sense you've got to go back to the drawing board and That's work right. that issue until uh, you figure adjust out your model it yeah. figure it out right there's something going on there it's it's an anomaly yeah. and you need to address it you need to figure it out there is a solution there is a story there you just got to figure it out and is it fair to say i mean internally that became you know it was important to know do we have Very. Can we say yes or no? Are we draining, you know, where are we really draining from? Because until you can be conclusive, there's always a question mark on, on the production models you're running, on the yeah. practical, like how uh, is my completion method doing what we think it's doing? Yeah. And, and you may think, you know, you, 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 you're always operating under the assumption that you're doing the best you can, but it, it makes all the difference in the world to really know. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're a prudent operator, if you are a prudent, operator in the eyes of the railroad commission your job your responsibility is to get the resources out of the ground and have absolutely no waste the 100 yes. percent success is having zero waste we don't they don't want extra wells drilled so what i'm envisioning is you have what maybe a thousand feet of total feet with three different benches or what's the total well for the productive section i would say maybe closer to 450 500 feet okay right because you've got a, a a big chunk net. of lower, and then and then you well no of course net would be would be less than that. net would be less. So because okay, so Austin Chalk is quite thick, but the productive part of the Austin Chalk is really fifty okay. to hundred feet. Okay. Yeah. The, so when the you base of 50 to 100 feet. when you're developing that and and what your company's doing right, you're trying to figure out this acreage, this spacing with the wells. We're going to drain approximately this much over the next twenty years. You're predicting all that, and you're you're relying on that prediction economically to get through the downtimes and the cycles of the commodity price. And you're figuring out that you're actually draining all three of the zones from this one well in a in hypothetical, right? You got one well and you got a lot of production coming back and you're seeing the chemistry and it's saying you're actually connected to all three of these reservoirs. Then you as an operator now know that it's probably a bad idea to try to land shallower with another well to drain that. If you're effectively draining it with one well, 
you've now got all the resources you can in that one well. You've done a really responsible job of getting the value out, not a lot of waste. And you're making a prediction for the company that, no, let's not go there and drill another shallower productive target there. Let's go to another area and focus on a shallow target that's that's not fracked yet, that's not connected to a well bore yet. Yeah, it's a matter of, of being responsible with your capital, right? Big but, time. But, so what we found actually was the opposite. <laughs> yes. wow. We found the exact opposite. The way, yeah. So so Pioneer, the legacy wells that they had drilled, they they had you know many in the lower Eagleford, they had some in the upper Eagleford. Um, I guess the lower, lower, upper, lower, and then upper Eagleford. And so that, as Katie said, provided this great baseline to to measure against. And so uh, so we pulled samples from um, some new wells and lower Eagleford wells to see if they were producing from mm. the upper Eagleford, and they they are not. Wow. They are not producing upper Eagleford hydrocarbons. Wow. So on. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's huge yeah. for us to understand and know, because that means that there is a there is another layer yeah. of wells that need to be drilled. Your to, reserves to just fully went up. Exactly. Because we know it's section there. We, we, you know, you're in productive acreage there. That's already been proven by the previous. Yeah. The, the previous um, operators. So, oh, man. Um, yeah, yeah. that's so, kind of a, so a playground to continue to work was, in. And what you what you started out with is, I think, what people um, assumed was the reality, right? Yeah. That you were depleting yeah. the reservoirs above where you had targeted your well. And so that that's always, I think, um, introduced some hesitation to drilling up Eagleford wells and Austin Chalk wells. Yeah. Uh, in by at least within certain companies it has. And and I understand why they felt that way. Yeah. You know, microseismic data was telling us that our fracks were, you getting know, affecting there. yeah, that were, they were getting there. But but really, what we're seeing is that those are not um, those are not prop fractures. They close off very quickly. Wow. What G what Geomark um, does is a t is this uh, fingerprinting, I guess you'd call it, in a time lapse sense, right? Oh, cool. And so you can see over time how that how that uh, drainage area is actually changing, right? Wow. So you have your stimulated rock volume and, and that's what ties those data sets together to be able to explain why you're getting the micro seismic response that is correct it is true that rock feels that completion from yeah. that far away but looking at it over time you know if it's staying you yeah. know how, so that's the effective drained volume it's actually quite a bit smaller and we can adjust a sampling program depending again what your question is do you want to know what your the effectiveness of your immediate completion by taking a lot of samples very quickly after that initiation of the completion and seeing how it reacts um, versus looking at what's my, now I'm ready to model my long-term production. I want to mm -hmm. get these things up and running and then not have to check on them all the time. And yeah. again, be confident in what my, my future development plans are. So then you can maybe space things to be looking at what your production chemistry looks like later wow. on once right. things have wow. you know quote settled down so we saw in the set of wells that we evaluated really that that the production from the very beginning was coming just from the lower Eagleford. Wow. um <laughs> and so but but you know we'll see in the future other wells if, sure. if you can see that if we maybe change the um completion well if we change the sampling oh yeah schedule, yeah right if we see because because we started how many days after 
it was just back? a few days after after the wells came on, right? Okay. Yeah. And so it, within those few days, it it was already, you know, healing, just confined. Yeah, yes. those fracture yeah. healing that was confined to the lower Eagleford. And so the next step would be, okay, well, why don't we collect a sample as soon as they're turned on, well, right? And see if you yeah. can see within those yeah. first few days. But it's interesting. So, so I went to a talk this morning about refracts. And so this company had um, had gone in and, and taken a core about 225 feet away from an old parent well. And they Whoa. could see in that core that, you know, that these hydraulic fractures had healed. Many, many, many of them had healed over time. But the time between when the parent well was fracked and that core was taken was nine years. Oh, wow. wow. Right? And yeah. so, okay, that's a big, that's a, Plenty of time. time. And so any sort of physical evidence that you have like that, chances are it's going to be years down the road, maybe not nine, but it will be years down the road before a company goes and collects that data. And that's what's great about the geochem is is that we were able to do it literally as soon as the wells come on. And so you can see that what's happening in the reservoir and in that stimulated area, you know, in the earliest days of the... So are you life. thinking refracts? Are you thinking that's a possibility for your company and, and an idea? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Refracking. Absolutely. Wells. Especially that, these older wells. If you think about the evolution of completions. And the fluid. Yeah, absolutely. In the Eagleford. I mean, there's there are many understimulated parent wells really? in the Eagleford Basin. And I'm sure many other basins as well. Um, and, you know... It, and so moving from the world of bullhead refracts to really to liner refracts, I mean, you're basically doing the exact same thing that you do in an original well. You just are doing it again. So you know where the stage was originally based on the drilling reports and, and all mm-hmm. the work mm-hmm. that was done. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go in and refract that, it's going to preferentially frack into what's def, you know, deformed. So it, it's interesting because that was another... I'm just talking about somebody else's paper now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you're on it. I mean, that's okay. Teamwork. But, but, you know, they have uh, they had some really good data that they showed that um, that really suggests that primarily what's happening is that new fractures are being initiated. Right on. So your, you know, your, your um, clusters are designed completely differently. Your spacing, your cluster spacing right. is completely right. different. It's, different. You're pumping slick water versus the, the gel fracks yeah, that gels. were being pumped before. Yeah. And, uh, oh, and so they man. are, they are really seeing that it is mostly new fractures wow. that are being initiated. And there is some, you know, Sweet. redilation of older fractures, but sure. that's I pretty think, cool, isn't it? To yeah. just think it's about all of that cool. meat that's left on the bone, you can go back and get it. I think in the pressure regime is so different. That's where that's I think right. there's part of the, the reason for things being now, they are new fractures that are being generated because to, to one of your points earlier, it's the physics, physics. I mean, philosophically, I'm one of those people that physics rules everything. Um, and so when you change that pressure system by having produced on it for nine, 10 years, and then go in and change, you know, try another completion, you're, you are in a different pressure situation. Absolutely. The rock will respond differently. That's exciting. That's so really, pretty really cool. cool. So there's, you know, that overall message, right, I think is cool. When we talk about our, our geochemical results and we talk about refracts, the, the evolution of, um, Unconventionals has been so rapid. I mean, you just look back a few years and you can see how much we've learned, right? And we know that we know that we leave so much on the ground right. yeah. in these reservoirs. And so we really are moving into a world of better understanding, 
you know, where that resource is left and how we can actually go get it. Man. Efficiently. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, and the chemical thing, right? I mean, uh, EOG has been a, a pioneer in enhanced oil recovery and right. in the Eagle Ford Basin. I don't know the Huff and Puff. Days, but yeah. That's right. And so, All kinds of ideas. so there's a decent amount of that. I imagine there's going to be more of that. Oh yeah. Uh, coming Makes soon. Sense. There's been a little hiatus, but I imagine I there'll be that, more yeah. of that coming soon. Think well said. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, it's, it's the only logical step to take advantage of a hundred and twenty dollar pri uh, price. That's right. In today's like today's environment, they That's they right. can't get casing. They can't get drill crews ready. They can't. You can't. Li you literally cannot drill your well if you wanted to. Right now. So yeah. if if our assumptions from back in the day that this frack it's already happening, you already drained the reservoir, like it's not it's not gonna work, like hold on. You actually have good science, you have work being done that's saying, no, go back in there and give it a try. You don't have drilling costs, you don't have all those things that come with the complexity of drilling a well that potentially makes it fail. Ultimately it's there. It yeah. produced. This well was producing for nine years. Go back in, stimulate it with some modern geologic concepts, mm -hmm. some new chemistry, get in there with the tool, hammer it out and get production going. Like that's how you take advantage of today's prices. That's right. That's right. And we just we have a lot of really smart people working those problems. Right. And uh, it's, fun to, have, it's fun to we are getting answers. And I, I think mm -hmm. with these conferences, it is trying to get that point across. Sometimes people are under the impression it's too complicated yeah. to actually work the problem. We do actually have the tools and the knowledge and we, we now have the experience to tease apart these comp these complicated problems. We now have a stepwise approach to get effective answers. I think one of the uh, one of the things that has really been highlighted um, since unconventionals you know have been a thing is how important the integration of of multiple functions are uh, right and that is what urtech is about and that's right. why this is my favorite conference because because i can go to the you know see the papers by the completions engineers yeah. or reservoir engineers and but you know more than that you see um papers that are that are being presented that are from fully integrated teams yeah right and so it's the whole concept together I and anyway i, I I think that that's one of the really fun things about um, have you been grown past the unconventionals. That's that's yeah. the other part, like how the whole industry, I think, has benefited by by seeing these examples of more exactly. integrated workflows yeah. that you're forced to do because it's such a quick turnaround time and, and it is developing new techniques and things. And then you apply them to some of the conventionals or um, other areas of the business that benefit from it. So exactly. it's pushing everybody forward. You know, I was talking about my grandfather was a geologist. Yeah. And and so, you know, when he talked about his career, it was very much there's a geology department and there's a oh, production department yeah. and there's a reservoir department and there's a drilling department. And, um, you know, it's just a, that that is the way things used to be yeah. done and, it, and they could be done that way. And now they just can't. Yep. So. Yeah. We're being forced into innovations for sure. We're yep. seeing that we're getting to live through that. We're, you're getting to experience the front lines of that, making these decisions that, you know, you got to look both ways before you cross the line. But at the end of the day, you cross it. And then you get to look back and you get to figure out what happened. And, and I mean, you just got to be excited about that. You got to have enthusiasm about that, no matter what the result is. You know, you have a model and it's working. And if it's a truthful model, then you're going to have real results. If you need to work on the model and harden the truth because the results weren't real or they weren't what you wanted, you get the opportunity to do that. And then you are you you wrote this paper. You co-wrote a paper with Geomark. Well, 
My team did. My team did. Yeah. Thank you. So it's been really a fun and exciting project, and it had us some surprises in it. I it, think it did. Mm-hmm. It, it was real science, and 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 again with the integration, it was really good to work on that the science part openly and have a real exchange about it to get real answers. Yep. Wow. Thank you for joining the PVE podcast. I enjoyed Thanks for this. Having us. Yeah. Uh, and again, we will send this to you and everybody at Airtech will get to hear that story and, and your guys' collaboration. When's your talk and how? To, what's the title of it? Um, it oh, it's long. All these titles it's, are always so long. long. Yeah. Wait, it's at 2.15. Okay. So that I can fill that gap <laughs> while she's looking up the title. 2.15 today. And Geomark's technical talk. In room 370 and the full title is Time-Lapse Geochemistry Production Allocation and member definition and selection, case studies, Eagleford and Delaware Basin. Well, I look forward to Adam explaining that and how his talk goes. Uh, and I look forward to just hanging on to your guys' story and just keeping up with you. I'm rooting for you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. That was awesome. That was fun. That was a great time. <laughs>